I love you. We say it at the end of phone conversations. We say it before kissing our kids and putting them to bed. We sometimes even whisper it to our favorite Cracker Barrel Extra Sharp Cheddar or our bottle of Waccamaw Cab. I love you. BB loved all of you. She loved everyone. The disease that stole her from us took everything, but it couldn't take her ability to love. In her final days, it was the only phrase she could say. It had lost its emphatic tone and some of its syllables, but she said it. Upon seeing my face or my father's or my brother's, she would muster up the ability from the depths of her, of her heart to tell you, I love you. Her love knew no boundaries. She loved with her whole heart. You knew this when she looked you straight in the eyes and told you. It was a type of love a daughter could keep in her pocket, and it could shield her from so many awful events that marked the horrid years of middle school and sorority rush. I was invincible with that shield, that mother's love. She didn't just love her family. She loved her friends with a ferocity that enveloped them like family. I remember as a child, my parents always had friends over. She loved their presence and loved having them in her home. She also loved strangers, waiters, bellhops, gas station attendants, the lady at Target, and most recently, her CNAs and helpers. With her, she could tell you she loved you, and she meant it. Her masseuse, person doing the pedicure, Starbucks barista, she loved you, and she loved you mean it. Her animals were some of her most loved, first Momus and Rue, and then Doers and Gumbo. Mom and Rue were the best of friends. On her manatees and pelicans were by, beloved by BB2, almost so much that a pelican was almost the new recipient of her gold bead necklace. I went to one of her last jazzercise classes with her friends and afterwards tried to thank them profusely for what they had done for our family, for befriending our BB in the state that she was in and in a time that we really needed them. They had confused looks on their faces. And one of them approached me and said, I don't think you understand. BB was sent to us. She was our angel. She told each and every one of us that we were beautiful and that we were loved, that we were awesome. And sometimes after a long day when you hadn't heard those words in a while, seeing BB at Jazzercise with her bright eyes and huge smile was exactly what we all needed. She didn't need us, Catherine. We needed her. In this world, especially now in 2018, we need more hearts and souls like BB's. She loved, and her love touched us all. She made you feel happy, secure, warm, and welcome. I hope to love the way BB loved. To my family, and to my friends, and to anyone that needs to feel that love, please know how much she loved all of you. Catherine's mentioning of BB's mantra, especially in this last couple of years of I love you, has had Becky, my wife, and I thinking a lot about what it is that we say most often. What if we ever found ourselves in the place that Barbara did? Would we be known for saying? And I fessed to Robin recently, I do hope that people don't remember me as saying, how you doing, you horse's rear end? <laughs> you know, it's not what you want. Makes you think. And I think it's a good thing for us to think about what would we like to be remembered as our line? We do hear a lot about love, 
We see it in books, in movies. We hear a lot of definitions about what love is. And in moments like this, we realize what it is to love. When the choosing continues, we realize that every day, every moment, that love is a choice. It doesn't just happen. If teaching us anything, dementia teaches us about the capacity to love and the capacity to choose, the capacity to keep extending our heart, the capacity to say yes when there's not as much coming back to us as we once knew. And somehow, we keep learning that. We learn that the soul and heart are built and expanded through the broken places. We talk about the Eucharist being one of those places where we experience things broken, creating more life than they had. And in a few moments, we will elevate the bread and break it. And we will pause, and the prayer book says, observe a period of silence. Remember, it's the things that are broken that give life. And believe me, I've tried to find any other book that would tell me otherwise. But we know that this is where the heart is known, where compassion is realized, experienced, and lived into. Unless a seed dies, it can't provide life. And what all those who have chosen to continue to love Bibi through these years have learned that amid the shattered hearts, through the broken open hearts, that capacity to keep choosing to say, yes, we will still love, yes, we will still show up, rises again and again. The heart seemingly crushed somehow finds a way to choose again and again to be present, to receive. Christian traditions this week are about to move into Holy Week. And hopefully at this point in our lives, we've realized that Jesus' going to Jerusalem and dying had nothing to do with my cheating on a ninth grade math test. Hypothetically speaking, of course. But it isn't somehow our pedestrian sins that got him to die. It was his choice to love. It was his choice to love the people around him. It was the choice to love God, to love himself so he could look in the mirror. The choosing of love that said, I will not let the things that are betraying me, the things that are shattering my heart mold me, but I will find in the people around me and in God the capacity to keep showing up and saying yes, to keep showing up and loving all human beings, whether they seem to be behaving right or not. I'm not going to run and hide I'm going to choose to love and be present. And so he didn't run from the world about him. He kept choosing relationship. He kept choosing what is it that keeps us in fidelity with one another, that keeps us faithful, living fidelis? What is it that keeps us choosing to live fidelis with God? That's what drove him.
choices to love and the choices not to shut down his heart. Now, I know there are a whole lot of people in this room that like to fish. You can, you can nod, say, yeah. It's, I know it's an Episcopal church, but you can nod and say, yeah, amen, brother. Thank you. It's all right. I know, we're pretty uptight. But whether you like to fish or whether you don't, my guess is many of you have read or seen the movie Norman MacLean's A River Runs Through It. And if you don't know the story, there is a story, and, and among the people in the story is the father, the minister, who keeps trying to save his youngest son. And he cannot. And eventually his son dies. And sometime late in the story, there is a moment where the father is preaching. And the father says this, For it is true, we can seldom help those closest to us, but we can still love them. We can love completely without complete understanding. We're here today because B.B. loves us. We're here today because God has created in us the capacity to love again and again and again. And so we don't run from the moments that are before us. We don't hide at the things before us that seem insurmountable. But we keep finding again the capacity to show up again and again, to say yes to love. Now, most of us know that B.B. worked for a long time in long-term care, caring for people of seasoned age, we'll say, people with cognitive issues. As her obituary said, one of the ironies is that she and a number of folks were, were those who founded the first Center for Alzheimer's here at the Black Mountain Center. And we've heard stories about how she received people and welcomed people whose lives were changing before them. How she took them in and with that smile and with that love just said, you're home. I know this doesn't look at all like home, but you're home because we're here together. You're home because we are receiving you. And we're going to stay with you through whatever you're remembering or not remembering. And we're going to listen to your stories, though we've heard them a million times, or if you can't remember them. But we're here to smile. We're here to love. We're here to welcome you. We're here to receive you. We have a prayer in our prayer book that we offer at the time of death, and we say, May angels surround her and saints welcome her in peace. And I've had the sense these past few days after Bibi died of all those people that she cared for who died before her standing with the saints and angels and right now saying, welcome Bibi. Let us now receive you. In the gospel today, Jesus says, I have lost nothing that you have given me. And if there is any, any 
I'm even careful to use the word redemption because uh, if there's anything that happens after the death of someone we love with Alzheimer, it's that all that energy that we've been spending being present to them in this changed state is now available to go to the stories of who we knew them in their fullness, how we knew them in their fullness. And we can recount the stories and we reclaim that life that was taken. And that's part of what we do now. Because Bibi was that woman who loved the beach and loved to collect shells and loved to collect all kinds of things, including a lot of us. Bibi was someone who loved Galatoire. She loved the ladies at Jazzercise. She loved her grandkids. And she loved all of us. And we move into that chapter. We recall again and again those stories. One last thing. Anyone who's spent five minutes around the Boylans know they like meals, correct? <laughs> yeah, food, gathering. And I've heard at least one writer say that if you read enough about Jesus, what you realize is that this guy ate his way through the Gospels. <laughs> I mean, think about it. How many stories about meals and gatherings and people and on the beach grilling fish and, man, love to eat with people. And that's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence why meals are so important for us. Because whether it's Jesus or his followers or us, it's in the meals where suddenly the divine is experienced and recognized. It's in the meals and the shared stories where suddenly those things that aren't visually present are seen. And it's in the meals and the sharings of the story that Jesus realized the world wasn't something to run from, but something to run into. And so that's our call. Keep sharing the meals. Keep sharing the stories. And like Bibi, keep running into the world.